Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. Minimalism? Post-minimalism? Thank you, Webbies. Reality is merely an illusion. Art can set you free. free. To a more colorful world. Hey there, and welcome back to the Webby Podcast and our season finale. Yuri Suzuki is a fascinating person. He's a sound artist, designer, and electronic musician. He's one of those people who has a deep knowledge of both the philosophy and technology involved in sound art and design. A lot of his projects explore how sound impacts humans, like his famous Ototo machine that turns anything from a banana to a glass of water into a musical instrument. Recently, Yuri was named as the very first sound design partner at Pentagram, one of the world's foremost design shops. I had a fascinating talk with Yuri on design, how music technology has changed music itself over decades, some of his recent projects, including his revival of a Motown self-composing music machine, and his new work at Pentagram. We start out talking about some of his early memories of his father's music collection and MTV videos. Basically, my dad was really big record collector, and he has got full of the record on the wall. And if I ask any music, he just pick up from his walls. He's kind of incredible collector. And so, like naturally, I'm into like music and sound, you know, activities after that. And was that in you grew up in Japan? Yeah, I grew okay. up in Japan. Yeah. And uh, and also like my dad keep feeding me like some sort of like kind of culture came from US in a way like you know he gave me like a beta cassette tape of the you know MTV like uh. including like uh, Harvey Hancock Rocket you know that kind of music videos inspire me a lot and also um, my grandma like keeps showing me like you know Beatles animation and like, something like that so it's kind of a from the beginning, like they feed me so much like musical things. So. Were, were they also? Did they work in music also, or it was just something they were passionate about? No, and my dad is like working for publisher, but his passion is you know playing, you know listening music anyway. He never able to play any music anyway. But uh, my grandma like used to play piano, but it's not really you know properly like trained or anything. Sure. So, but somehow like the selection of the you know like a video, and because I was growing up with a beta cassette tape, like video and like the television. At, at so that the, was probably like in the 80s or like yeah, early in the 90s? 80s. Yeah, really 80s, yeah. Okay. So, so 80s in Japan. 80s in Japan. And the it's feeling. an exciting time, <laughs> yeah. right? And also like, you know, like we kind of appreciate the kind of American, you know, sub you know, pop yeah. culture and things. So I have, got, luckily has got quite a lot of material to, you know, listening and yeah. watching as well, so. Huh. Did he like a certain kind of music or everything? Or what was the type of music that when you were young, you were really into? Yeah, he kind of listening to everything anyway, like, um, you know, standard rock music and jazz and the kind of electronic as well. Mm. And he wasn't a big fan of the metal or like ghost music before, but, right. you know, he was really into like Slipknot, you know, a couple oh, wow. of, you know, kind of 10 years ago, he was really into Slipknot and also Marilyn Manson as well. He, he's kind of a very open-minded guy and uh, he's really you know, doesn't have any, you know, like war to like listening music at all. So it's quite open, I think. Interesting. And so, what, and you were listening when you were younger growing up, like on like records and CDs or tapes? Yeah. Um, in the beginning was tape, I remember, because that's easy to handling it. And yeah. the recorder is really difficult to manipulate that. You right. know, you know, some small child could scratch easily. So it's, I'm not allowed to touch any record. And then after all, like, you know, CD came up, you know, when I was maybe seven years old or nine years old, I can't remember, but that was quite dramatic difference in the quality of sound. You right. know, suddenly, almost like I can misunderstand like some proper people like playing the music just behind the wall or something, like that kind of quality came out. 
my main like media I used to listen is kind of like, first of all a cassette tape and became CD. And after that kind of horrible media called MD, like mini Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. So that's kind of like main things I used to listen. Interesting. Know. I mean, I ask you about that because we'll talk about in a second here, but it seems like a lot of your projects have a playfulness to them and are experimenting around formats and input and, you know, how, it, how music is made and it just a very sort of like playful quality to them. So mm. that's what I'm sort of interested in, like when you were young, what, you know, sort of what you were inspired by when you were young, because mm. it seems like it has, uh, you correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like, you know, that uh, there's a youth to yeah. your projects. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing is like, I, I want to say like, you know, my parents or like my grandma's tried training like as piano, but I never able to play piano in my life because first of all, I couldn't really read any musical score. Mm. And uh, like, like later on, like I, I found out because the reason why I couldn't read musical score because I'm dyslexic actually. Uh. And uh, my experience of learning music was quite painful. I never liked it because it's kind of forceful and you have to learn and practice and I never liked it, you know. But at uh, the same time, I have a kind of passion to, you know, um, when I see like some improvisation for the jazz and things, like, you know, seems like freedom in the kind of music, like without any musical score and so on. But still, I like, need to know the kind of basic music theory and so on. And then something dramatic change coming to me for jobs of making music was electronic music. Like I kind of gave up band. I, I actually got fired from band because I couldn't do any musical score. <laughs> and I decided to start making music myself with like a drum machine or synthesizer. And literally doesn't need any knowledge. You just kind of, you know, put in some couple of buttons and start, you can make playful music from there. Right. So that's kind of, you know, like changing point I start enjoying like producing music and playing music. So I think it's really pretty much came from my difficulty to understanding practicing music. You know? Did you, um, how about computers? Did you use computers a lot when you were young? Was Were, that, were, were machines and computers a part of your part of your childhood and your youth? Like at that time, still computer was quite expensive. And also like if you want to have like a recording inside a computer, like you need to have a really high spec computer. Right. So that's costing a lot. Yeah, it's not so like in the end, like I just bought like you know Roland like drum machine or something, uh. like, you know recording into the cassette tape like multi track recording. That's really pretty much initial starting, and uh, I think my first kind of touch of the electronic music never involving computer. Right, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, so you have a project actually that's kind of pretty current. I think that is um, about to be. I think shown at the Barbican. Yeah. Um, essentially, you completed Raymond Scott's mm -hmm. project. Yeah former big Motown executive. Mm -hmm. It was called Electronium. Did yeah. I say that right? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a self-composing music device. I've mm. seen it described at. Um, can you explain like, you know, what his vision for it was? Yeah. And like, for people who don't even know the background and mm. and how did you complete it? And, and, and what is it now? Yeah. So Raymond Scott is a really success, successful musician like around 30s, 40s time. And he mainly like composing music for television or the commercial music a lot. And later on, I think Warner Brothers discovered his music. We can still listen to his music at Cartoon Network or something. Mm. And at uh, the same time, he was really brilliant, like a self-taught like, engineer as well. So he kind of like a, he's really came from like a jazz and a piano background, but he's really into the process for the composing music in the electronic way. So he and he was like doing this sort of on the side in like a lab and all this, right? It wasn't, yeah, wasn't like his main job. It was like sort of his side project. Or... Yeah, in the beginning was side project, and he used to have like a studio called Manhattan Research in the New York and Manhattan, and he kind of slowly building like crazy electronics machines in there. And he, I think that investment was successful, and so many companies asking him to creating electronic music for you know advertisement and things. Mm. And uh, that time, I think he funded, starting funding himself to building musical instruments called Electronium. So basically, self-generative musical instruments he wanted to create. And uh, after that, Mr. Barry Goldie from Motown you know, visited his like, studio, and he was so impressed about that idea. And I think he was appointed as like, a Motown musical R&D or something. Mm. And I think... Like, Raymond Scott spent a million, million dollars, like, you know, building Electronium right. uh, in the Motown in Los Angeles. What was it that he was trying to build exactly? So basically, like, what, you know, 
as far as my understanding from like all like memo and the document is like center it's divided into the three sections for that musical instruments and the center part is like self you know you can actually programming it you have like rhythm and melody and the left side is actually like kind of more about the performative side you can quickly like reach to like some parameter and you can you know improvise like you know melody mm. and right side is really um unique because it's influenced to like what you compose and kind of in the keep changing progression of the music like making sort of like helping you to composing music and that's something he wanted so right part like seems extremely difficult because that time there's no concept of the like you know artificial intelligence exists there's right. no algorithm exists and he tried to sorting out kind of progression of the music by you know machine basically mm. by mathematics or something right. extremely complicated so that was his vision so basically he wanted creating platform to working between human and kind of machine in the right. way so so the, the idea is that there's like sort of a three panel machine yeah. and you could put in like a melody or something in the mm. middle and that would st- and then that would work with the right side that would sort of start building its Absolutely. own yeah its own version of that and yeah. then you could like add little parts from the left side essentially mm-hmm. right you can change the melody or add sounds yeah. or that would sort of then integrate into exactly some artificial creation happening on the yeah, right yeah. side right absolutely yeah. so cause something you you could expect what do you compose in the like center part anyway but the right part is really you know, unexpectable way to, you know, changing your music into yeah. going somewhere. And that's something he was looking for, you know, like, you know, that kind of inspiration never happened by right. yourself. So so he had like the idea for it, but in the, the the technology behind the, the artificial part just wasn't there to actually finish I think, it, right? Yeah, I think uh, um, that time it's kind of mathematics, that automatic composition was quite popular as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, for example, one instrument called Tridex, it's has got fast ever like you know kind of self generated musical instruments was exists that time. Okay. But uh, however, um, and is that know, just it's it, just relying on like the yeah, chord progressions of math? Exactly. If you're in this one, then you'll go to this one. And then exactly. So I think I can say because like I visited uh, uh, Mr. Mark Mazasba from Devo and uh, right. he showed me his like you know warehouse basically and uh, he actually preserved original electronium. Oh wow! You know, unfunctional condition. Oh my gosh! And uh, who did he get that from? He bought it. So like basically, like, he told me like he visited Raymond Scott before you know just couple of, like years before he died. Oh, amazing! But Raymond Scott himself is kind of lost conscious that time because uh, uh, he had a kind of quite a lot of like, like heart stroke or something he had and he even can, doesn't have a conscious and he cannot even talk but kind of completely like you know out of mind that time and then uh, he visited the warehouse he actually found like you know electronium itself and he found it and wow like this oh, is wow. amazing and after like Raymond Scott died I think his wife is sort of kind of tried to get rid of like you know inside of the kind of warehouse and then Mark visited again, and like he just decided to preserve all like his achievement into you know his you know. Oh, that's I so think. cool. Yeah, so that's how he, you know. Yeah. So you picked up the so you had this goal of mm-hmm. taking this concept and sort of mm-hmm. project that he had started but not finished, yeah. and I guess now you have some stuff from Mark Mothersbaugh, and yeah. there's some drawings and stuff, and then yeah. and so what's your what was your goal with it? Yeah, um, so in the beginning was like really, because that's kind of long time dream, like so many musicians talking about the mystery of the electronium. So okay. first of all, like I want to be, to be like finished in a way. And uh, I thought like now it's perfect timing because uh, such as, you know, like artificial intelligence or like, you know, machine learning, it's really, we can handle it by ourselves. Like it used to be quite difficult and uh, even like my level cannot do any anything about, mm. you know, um, artificial intelligence, like algorithm or like anything. That's right. extremely difficult things. But now, like such as Google has got Magenta platform, like everyone can use it. For hmm? people who don't know about Magenta, hmm. can you explain that a little bit? Or? So Magenta is sort of like an algorithm platform and uh, it's sort of self-generative. And if you put in some information, something like information reflecting it, it's sort of like part of machine learning. Like they have a sort of archive of the kind of bunch of like running data inside. And if you access that, some feedback is coming in. Mm. So basically, like it's based on the database and more about machine learning database. To, I think this is really perfect for, you know, music composition and things. Like, you know, such as 
um, they try to make kind of self-generated melody kind of a progression or something. Right. So uh, we team up with like guys called Counterpoint and they brilliant like AI consultancy company and they actually make a perfect connection between like a, you know algorithm and this project. Hmm. So this is kind of drive me to think about because now we can actually like realizing his dream because we have what enough resources around us. Right. Yeah. So that's why. Essentially using this like database of machine learning, like learnings or training yeah. from Google Magenta mm. and this other partner to work on this right side yeah. of the Electronium. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning, my, you know, main thing, uh, you know, main thought is actually like, we want to like creating sort of like algorithms based on like how Raymond Scott, like, mm -hmm. you know, composed the music, but that was extremely complicated. So we kind of gave up that part, but mm. uh, in the future, like I would love to update as well, you know, based on how he composing music. If anything, like you compose, like sounds like influence coming from Raymond Scott himself. Oh, that can be a really, really nice project. But oh. uh, this time we couldn't do it. That right. Yeah. I mean, and what type of, do you know what type of music the Magenta is trained on? You know what I mean? Like, what's I the... think because that's quite difficult to tell um, because this sort of mass data, there's no particular. Oh, yeah. Uh, composition is coming from Magenta, so it's pretty much just lots and yeah. lots of music input. That but got. I think best way to demonstrate, you know, machine learning, it's always about you know same composers, kind of you know same behavior and how you know composing new music. For example, Mozart or Bach, like mm. uh, how they're gonna making music now. So that's you know demonstration is perfect for machine learning. But Magenta doesn't have you know that perspective at the moment. And uh, if if you have what enough time and the budget, probably we can do it. But right. uh, at the moment, uh, in my level, I cannot finish. You know, right. that's too ambitious. I think. So what is it? What does it sound like? The Electronium and the one that you've worked on now, and how does and is it, does it work? And like, what's the experience like for people? Yeah, it's really interesting because even like. If I have a really random, like, you know, melody progression in there, like, suddenly, um, really, like, deep, like, bass is coming out, and uh, it's no repetition, like, always kind of progression is happening. So it's, like, kind of similar music, but keep changing, like, music in mm. a different level. So it's really interesting thing. It's a, we put kind of a parameter called counterpoint. So which is quite significant, you know, most signature Raymond Scott technique, like suddenly glides, you know, like rhythmic changing and so on, like really, really unstable music, I would say. Like there's no huh. particular tempo, always tempo is changing and okay. so on. So that's represented counterpoint. So I do believe like, you know, output sort of like similar to like Raymond Scott. Right. How, because he, we put his technique anyway. But uh, I just like sent over like, you know, one sound link to Raymond Scott family and they say, sounds not like Raymond Scott. Well. <laughs> but, uh, but this is kind of have to understanding as this is sort of tools, like depend on the people and sure. depend on the timing. Yeah. Like music, you know, could be changing it. Right. So, he didn't He didn't make it to make music that sounded like him. He made it to make a, yeah. something different that would make its own music. Kind I of, right? think so. And then there's a couple of demo tape left from like an you know, original mm. electronium. But... Uh, some of them is sort of like, a, kind of maybe this is not a good word, sort of faking it, you know, like sounds right. like a functional things. But okay. uh, because some, you know, like song is actually like reversed or existing song he composed. Oh, right. So that's quite interesting what's truth or not. So, interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting question. Machines have always played, not always, but for a while have played like a big role in mm. music mostly in helping make music or amplifying it or maybe mm. sequencing and automating it or... Yeah editing there's all this editing software but it hasn't played as big a role in composing the music yeah. right mm -hmm. it's always been the human cuz of composing composing and the technology mm. you know is like the assistant or the amplifier now that machines can start playing a role in making music does it change the way you think about our relationship with machines i think um, Raymond Scott's original plan for Electronium is, is really purely for really inspiration like human, ah. like rather than like making decision for the whole composition of the music, I think. And uh, like, you know, our version of the electronic is quite similar, like just like called the progression is happening. Sometimes really interesting melody coming in, but it's disappear in a, uh -huh. in a couple of like minutes after. So I think still, even like, you know, Google doing quite a lot of experiments with the composing music and so on. But that moment is really about, um, 
criterion of the you know, nice music based on like you know human mind or like human brain, right? right? And some people like it, some people not. Anyway, so it's still quite difficult to make a really beautiful, you know, like a decision made by like you know AI to making perfect music. Right. It's always like human being have to like you know rearrange or like make it better and、uh, adjusting to something like we like it. I、uh-huh. think so. I think it's going to be take time. Yeah. <laughs> and,、uh, so it's、I、almost th- like a tool. It's almost like more of a tool for exploring. Yeah. All the music that could exist and taking you in places that you hadn't thought of, but you still—it's still not the beginning, the middle, the end, and、yeah. editing it and perfecting it. And、mm. I think still like AI, it's really、um, just for tools to helping like a human being. I think to inspiration or like making a couple of decisions, but I think final decision, the criterion is really like have to belong to like human. I think、yeah. because otherwise. I think it just doesn't make sense, you know. Right. And there's a couple of attempt to making sort of algorithm based music, but just sounds like beautiful ambient music, but it's nothing really significant for、mm. you know. Yeah. As a, as a pop music or like as a、right. music. I, I mean, I mean, it's really obvious to say that music plays like a really big role in culture.、Mm. You know, it's from everything from like, you know, celebrating our rituals, yeah, and our yeah. birthdays, and all that kind of stuff. Do you feel like music has changed a lot? You know, in the last twenty or thirty years, like not obviously the songs have changed, but I mean,、mm. like that there's been some sort of, you know, structural change in the、mm. w- of what music is or what music is in culture after、yeah. as machines have started becoming a bigger part of、mm. of how it gets made. In the music, like revolution of the sort of.、Um, like you know, music development, like sometimes based on tech, you know, technology as well. And starting for like recording and also like、uh, new electronics musical instruments such as synthesizer coming in,、right. and、uh, also like sampler and how to how to disc recording and there's so much like footstep we have kind of each time like new technology was introduced sort of paradigm shift is happening like drastically like changing things. But this twenty years or thirty years, maybe this twenty years after how to how to disc recording was born. There's not so much like dramatic developments happening, and、uh, I can say like music itself doesn't really change much,、mm. and、uh, even urban music as well. Like because when when I moved to like London, that was kind of fourteen, like sixteen years ago, and the dubstep was really like kind of popular, and that was actually came from culture in London, like such as like Beatles, hip hop, but meet with kind of dub from Jamaica. And the melody coming from like Middle East, like producer making Middle Eastern like、mm. melody line, and the Chinese like you know singer like singing on top. So they can match culture making like completely new music and very、yeah. original. And、uh, but however, I think this sixteen years like doesn't have so much development. Interesting. You know, dubstep is exist, but it imported like US and became really like different perspective and developed quite a lot in here as well. But there's no like completely new music hasn't been. Right, yet, I think it's、so. almost it's almost just the yeah the technology that's brought all the different people and cultures、yeah. together to learn from each other. It's、yeah. made something, but it's not it's not entirely、yeah. different than what was there. Yeah, and also like、uh, quite unique about how people are handling it and make you know creating new music, like such as like、uh, I'm not sure you like, you know like genre called vapor wave,、uh-huh. like、uh, you know that is came from absolutely like kind of they probably like producing with cassette tape or something like a lo-fi. Kind of with all the disco, but、like、half speed and you know beat on top. That's quite interesting culture. It、mm. depends on the what they have, but、uh, unfortunately, not much happening. Like this, I think ten years, not much happening, isn't it? Do you think the Do you think the reliant, not the reliance, but the introduction of algorithms into the music making is going to potentially open up for a, a bigger step change, or is it? Yeah, just, yeah, it could be. Yeah, and some you know producer because the、like, problem is like now, you know, access to algorithm is kind of still like need a lot of engineering knowledge and things. But if it's much more easy, for, such as like Magenta introduced some plugin for Ableton Live. And the basic, this many producers are using that software. Just drag in and drop, and you can actually can use algorithm. That's probably like inspiring people to do something.、Right. So, I think the hope is like you know that kind of you know new technical development that、like、giving people to have like a new way to you know imagine music.、I、yeah.、Think. Tell me about you have another project、uh, that is called Ototo.、Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about that? Yeah,、um, that was like 
like when I was a child, like I'm willing to like some interactive project as well. Like, you know, even I, I'm really bad at mathematics and I'm really horrible about, you know, physical computing as well. So when I was a child, the base kind of keep breaking things, like it's horrible and then I never learn. Mm. And then, um, but that time, like I really want to do like something kind of dream, you know, musical instruments and so on I want to create, but without any knowledge. So that's kind of starting point. And then because, uh, like this is kind of programming, like people can program as well, but it's nothing like based on human language, isn't it? Like it's more about based on how computer, right. you know. Tell like, people how it works. Yeah. So basically like, there's two way for the programming. Programming one way is kind of put in sequence. Like for example, you can have like this land and this is sort of like a specific behavior and so on and coming back as a loop and, you know, same like behavior happening again. But this is like not the way to you know, how humans think. I think that's kind of sequence way to you know think about programming. Yeah. Another way is called the kind of more of the visualizing. So you just connect object and object and they tie together to make you know programming happen. You know, like machine like should be like adjusting to the human language in the way and much more easier to access. And uh, same as physical computing as well, like building electronic circuit and so on. Like you need a number of components and uh, it's really difficult to understand, in the, you know, translating the real world, you know. Mm -hmm. So auditory is like really like easy platform. Like you just plug in something and you know, push buttons and you can use anything. Like you don't have to program any anything and so you don't have to plug any speaker or anything. So just straightforward. So basically you have these little mm -hmm. electrical... Yeah, like uh, has got kind of 12 parts in there uh -huh. and you can connect with crocodile clips or whatever right? and just connect with any conductive object and you just like switch on and off and uh, your conductive object sort of trigger to playing sound. So that's really simple. Right, no so you can hook it up to a vegetable or a, exactly. a glass or a table yeah, or yeah. something that connects electricity. Yeah. And then, what, and then how do you choose what sound comes out? So the idea is you could hook up the clamp to a glass mm. and a table, and then when you tapped on the glass, it would make that yeah. sound, and we tapped on the table to make a different sound. How do you determine what sound uh, it makes? Depend on the, because it's going to be like, it looks like piano keys. So mm -hmm. depend on the, which key you connect it. Got so it. it's, okay. uh, yeah, but uh, we have a couple of like, sensor input as well. So depend on how bright in the environment, uh, oh, okay. how much like, you know, pressure you give, and the you know, sound is keep changing as okay. well. So yeah, it was kind of like, I wanted to have a you know, sort of platform and anyone can use it. When you were making it, what were you hoping it would unlock for people? And yeah. then after it was done and you saw how people used it, mm. does, was that what you had hoped or was there something different about it? Or Yeah, in the beginning, it was quite personal anyways. That's something yeah. tools I wanted to have myself. But after that, kind of made a company um, and uh, made a Kickstarter campaign and quite a lot of people backed that project. And uh, we produced, in total, maybe like we produced 5,000 or 6,000 mm. and put in the market as well. And so it was quite a nice journey because really personal thought and became quite mass. And uh, is, even like 6,000 probably is not much, but uh, quite mass production to compare with what I have worked before. Right. Yeah, that's a lot. And then, you know, it's accident I find a YouTube link, some people making creation based on their auto ah. thoughts. That's quite amazing. That's and, cool. Uh, completely different way to they think, like usage as well. So, yeah, that's what's kind of really fast point. I'm really interested in mass production, uh -huh. like pieces. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right. Interesting. 
I mean, one thing I was thinking about it when I was looking at it was just that it gives people like this new entrance into making mm. music. You know, I think everybody has this sort of idea of where you make music. It's yeah. on like a keyboard or on mm. software. And now suddenly it's in this like physical thing, which feels, you know, not old in a bad way, like dated, but feels like a mm. more analog or a more physical way. Yeah, it just yeah. feels very different. And that was really interesting to me. And then I was also thinking about, so that's engaging people with making it in a different way. But mm. at the same time, what's happening is that we are all like disengaging mm. from how we choose what to listen to. You yeah. know, like now we're using all these algorithms to decide what we're going to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And like, it, it just seems like an interesting, what do you think the result is if we start living in a world where we're just mm. like a lot less active in choosing what music we listen to, yeah. right? If machines are choosing for us. Yeah, that's quite tricky, isn't it? Because uh, like now like we used to, like, you know, because I believe majority of people are still using iTunes and uh, it's always shuffle and right. sometimes, like, you know, kind of things happening. But uh, because I'm talking with a bit more like artist perspectives, a musician creating like album always have got track one to track 12, has got sort of story and right. timeline there. But now we totally break up and this, each kind of thing is happening. And the decisions coming from, you know, like, a, like algorithm is sometimes very accurate, something you want as well, but sometimes like, a, you know, that's a very fit as well. So I don't know. I think sometimes, you know, selection is also like, you know, you know, creation as well. So really shame to missing yeah. <laughs> that part, I think. Because that's how DJ function, isn't it? Like always choosing right music in the right timing. Right. And they're always thinking for timeline, how people feel. So I think that's like one of the really nice creation we can do. So we shouldn't really right. throw away that part. I right. Think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you say your father was like a big collector. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, at that time, there's just like when you listen to something, there's so much like decision that goes in, you mm. know, you choose the tape or the album, but then the the people that made that chose the order of those things, yeah, you know? Yeah. And now it's like, you just put on the algorithm. Yeah. So it's choosing and then it, you're not even getting the selection of the artist's order yeah, yeah. at all. So all that is like gone, yeah. but you are finding, mm -hmm. you do sometimes get things selected for you that you've never heard of and are like, you're like, this is amazing. Yeah, and you find true. things. So that's yeah. cool. Yeah, that's true. Because I think, like, for me, it's, like, something missing for me. Is because, I, actually, I don't have, like, any account for Spotify or, mm -hmm. you know, Apple Music at all. Like, okay. I only listen, like, you know, music correction from hard drive. Oh, wow. But uh, that's problem is, uh, like, I'm start not discovering, right. like, new music. That's very problem. I think I yeah. need moment to, you know, find it. That's probably a moment that I used to go to record shop and finding, like, new music. But now... No time to go to record shops. That's probably maybe algorithm or like you know automatic selection gonna tell me like you know something really amazing music I should listen. Yeah. So maybe. Yeah. So why don't but, you use those services? Um, I don't know. Like, problem is kind of I'm not believing sort of crowding cloud, you know, storage kind of things because mm. there's oh. no guarantee. I feel like I'm not like I've got ownership of any music. Oh. Yeah. So I'm probably quite the old, you know way of thinking <laughs> like always mp3 like even like mp3 is not good media but they put in the hard drive and right. i can access anytime if i want interesting yeah so yeah because i'm kind of person like kind of correcting music and so on so mm -hmm. i need to have feeling like i, I have something right there. yeah i mean what do you think about some of those services that have been really focused on trying to make the media better you know i think uh mm. um title uh for a while was had like um bigger files available mm. uh neil young i don't know if you know he has like this archive where mm. all of his music is on the web in this archive and right. it's all in these like really really rich files mm. none of it is in mm. mp3 yeah do you think that's is that important that kind of stuff how bad is the you know the reduction in the file to to, to yeah. sort of like the overall art of music but but like, yeah, my opinion is it used to be like such a cassette tape or like record is actually not very really good sound at all. Like mm. you know, to think about quality is quite low. Right. So that's why like people used to have like amazing stereo system to have like a much better sound as possible. 
But now it's quite opposite, isn't it? Because MP3 is kind of actually quality in there, like, you know, actually quite good sound to compare with like tape sound. Right, so interesting. Yeah, but you know, like it's still like, you know, warm, like a feeling of the cassette tape is great, but the MP3 is kind of, you know, you know, everyone said like this is much better sound than, you know, cassette tape. But now like the problem is like people play back with any, you know, people never have like any proper hi-fi system these days. Like just right. have got speaker from computers or speaker from like iPhone or like have got sort of like a cheap Bluetooth speaker. That's right. how people are listening now. Yeah. So that's quite interesting because it's quite opposite, isn't it? It used to be like media's horrible sound, but the you know, playback system is really good sound. Now it's a media's really good quality, but the playback system is pretty yeah. horrible. So yeah, that's quite an interesting argument. And uh, but still, like, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I prefer to listening on the record and the cassette tape, but needless to say, um, you know. You can't carry it around with you. Yeah, yeah. So tell me, um, you have a new role at Pentagram, or it's new-ish mm-hmm. now. Um, tell me a bit about that. Yeah, um, yeah, that was quite you know, interesting. Like, firstly, I got, you know, someone, you know, from Pentagram contacting me, like, like you know, do you want to join Pentagram or not? And then... Uh, I feel like Pentagon is one of the far from me in a way because I'm doing more about boundary between art and design. Mm. And uh, I know like Pentagon is the reputation of the Pentagon past 20 years, more about you know, branding, you know, like agency, like mm. rather than like making sound or um, product design. But uh, I think, you know, I can see like they want to have like more update and also like, you know, possibility to changing as well. And they were looking for like, you know, really open-minded company. Yeah. So I really appreciate their openness and also quite amazing partners. Uh, you know, I respect for a long time. It's you know, based in the Pentagram as well. So I thought it quite nice to try in yeah. the beginning. And uh, and also like a, a really long time, my dream is uh, to think about, you know, what kind of, how sound affected human like being in a way. Right. And uh, I thought like, uh, like doing a lot of like, sound design research for a long time and uh, I can carry on like sound design. And hopefully like, sound, that sound design studies became, you know, more about we can do consultancy based on that for like many mm. companies. Right. So I think really about the great, you know, transition and also thinking about deep into myself, like what I can do in, in, in the world. And you're, so you're the first sound design partner there, I think, right? Yeah. And so what does a sound design partner do? Are you focused mostly on, I said, you said 50% is still art projects. What's yeah. the other 50%? Is it designing sound experiences for clients? Yeah, like it's not only composition or anything. Uh-huh. Like we do like much like, you know, sculpture, 3D background, but based uh-huh. on the you know, sound-based communication in the way, like okay. what's the best way to communication? And also another kind of, you know, design for exhibitions as well, like how we can effectively using, it's, uh, my practice is not only sound anyway, but okay. doing 3D aspect or like oh, an right. interactive aspect. Probably like my majority part I'm spending experiential part, you know, yeah. experiential design the way. And uh, using quite a lot of sound as well, but as well as kind of, you know, visual aspect as well. I read somewhere that I don't know if this is you tell me. I mm. read somewhere that your first brief of Pentagram was to design a new like wait, uh, waiting tone for the <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that true? Yeah, that's what, yeah. It came from Central Team because uh, some like you know waiting hold tone is just repetitive. Like you know, I think three seconds sound music again and again. Like, so this is like when people call on the phone and yeah, they yeah. put on hold and then they have to like wait. Yeah, and the most common one to put was Cisco, like making quite like, you know. Do you know that's one like no. uh, like. Like a really like a fusion kind of music, okay. but just same music repeating again and uh. again, again. And they ask me like, uh, can you like redesign? Like <laughs> basically, I'm um, like you know, in, you know, holding right. tone. So what did you? How did you approach that? So then like I actually like, thinking about AI first because uh-huh. uh, um, Brian Eno like he made an amazing software about creating ambient music based on AI. I think a really important part for like sound design like. It shouldn't have like a reputation because once people notice reputation again, 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 people are really annoying about it, uh, stress about it. Right. So my first brief we tried to making sort of music has a sort of progression all time every second, and uh, so you don't ever really hear it again. The no. same thing. So that's what's kind of first thought, and the development of the electronium actually quite helps in the end because that's what's exactly what I'm looking for. So based on the 
electronium like software we created you know like link you know sort of like a uh, holding tone in the end oh interesting so what, what how would you describe is it describable the music of, of a, like a genre or is it just changing so frequently that yeah it just... it's kind of like melody in there like quite a lot of reverb as well but it doesn't have so much middle frequency because uh you know phone has got some middle frequency a lot like we shouldn't emphasize that side mm. and uh, basically music for like we just like made like one hour two hour music and without any repetition so mm-hmm. if you're listening it just keep music changing it and so if you call to like pentagram office in london like it's already installed so but in the usual pentagram office like london like, doesn't have so much holding time so maybe <laughs> you mean you can maybe hear for like only like five seconds or something yeah but uh, in case you have to like call like a longer time that's interesting yeah i mean a lot of people it's funny a lot of places like try and make their own hold music mm. but it's always like a jingle or something like there's these conference call services yeah. you know where it's like the same jingle and then you're, yeah. you've been on the phone two times and it's the most annoying thing ever. And also like, especially like you're going to have stressful phone calls to complain to the internet connection or like you know, right. some, you know, especially me, it's quite annoying. It's, I have a really big problem for my passport stolen in, like, in, in France and I had to issue new visa from like the UK government. And each time calling them, like they can wait me for like at least like sometimes one hour. Oh wow! That's like, and, and then there's the same music. Yeah, it's like again, again, because that's what's kind of ridiculous. I can't stand it anymore. But so I think like you know, um, yeah, like reason to call is sometimes stressful already. Anyway, but uh, it's not good things to have reputation. One time we interviewed Paola Antonelli, you know, mm. who's like the curator at MoMA. Yeah. And she's done some really cool things, like chain, bring in things into the permanent collection. Mm. like Pac-Man or mm. the at sign that people were sort of, you know, like thought that was silly or didn't make sense, but really I think opened up mm. the way they think about what they collect and yeah, what are objects absolutely. and stuff. Um, you know, you could say the same thing with, with what you do, that there's mm. like the the idea that like of sound design is even relatively, you know, this, mm. that that's design is, in, you know, it's not next yeah. last year, but it's still relatively mm. um, new. Why do you think, why do you think it's important to think of, what you do or what others do as design. Um, as a like sound design? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think... Like as a field in design. Because I think most people still, even though they're sound design, they still think of design as... For you like, know, you know, yeah. Visual and things like yeah, that. Yeah. I think because people have those five senses in it. Like one is kind of and like, a, um, like sight and also smell and also like taste and the touch and hearing. Yeah. And then... Um, you know, like site is already like a graphic design, a visual design has been really developed for a long, long time. And the secondary, you know, haptics design is happening. So, you know, like touch and things like it's really developed for the past two decades. Like so much people yeah. are like doing haptics design now. And in fact, if you touch on the phone or something, you have like some tiny feedback is coming and you feel like pushed buttons. Yeah. That's a really beautiful design. And uh, food design quite popular, like a smell and a like, taste that like, has been really popular for, you know, like many, many years now. But the sound part is really abstract. Like, you know, there's no definition and not so much exhibition is happening as well. Because I know the reason, because it's quite hard to understand because it's so abstract and quite psychological and also really like affects the humans, like, you know, emotion a lot. So it's really difficult scientific proof, hmm. you know, this is right or not. Right. And that's why I think people like tend to be like not touch much. But uh. for, for me, it's kind of, you know, I did so much, you know, sound study for a long time. So I feel like I could conclude something, like, you know, in the study now. And then in a the way, like something curious about me is like, like most of the IoT products at the moment, like such as, uh, you know, communication with Alexa and so on, like it's purely for audio communication, isn't it? Like just talking to that and, uh, you know, inventory like computer or like, you know, AI or whatever, you know, coming back with audible information to inform you. So, and also like now, like so many people are avoiding text these days, isn't it? More about right. talking to that and sending over instead right. of texting it. Because people know like this is a much quicker communication method. Right. And uh, and also like losing physicality as well because uh, now, you know, such as car, like they became like instead of engine, like they have a motor in the electronics. So that's much much like uh, um, quiet in the car. So it used to have uh, you know physicality attached to the car, but now it's completely missing. So we had to redesign 
new kind of identity of the car now. So、mm. like there's so much space because it used to be so loud in there. Yeah, so loud. Quiet, and、right? then,、yeah. but that's kind of good notification as well because car is coming and also like if you like turn left or something, always the kind of chick sound is coming out as well. So we really have to redesign and think about you know what kind of you know sound could attach to our、mm. daily life because now everything became quieter and quieter now. So we need to think about. Soundscape、right. from scratch in a way, and, then, and not just like trying to like make the fake car sound. Like right, you don't want to just take like, the car may- sound and like make it fake so that it feels like you're in a car or whatever. Yeah, like that's probably maybe quickest way right, right now. But right.、Uh, I think we should like, think about another because I think I don't think like motor sound itself is not present sound neither. So、yeah. we had to balance between notice but something present sound as well.、Yeah. And so that's kind of drive me to think about sound design because now. Really, like people like realizing the importance of sound, you know. Yeah. Has there been a lot of research done on the way different sounds make people feel? And is there a lot of data now where you can say, "I'm going to design it this way because I know that these、mm. low frequency sounds, based on these studies, or is it still is yes, it still like based on observation?" I think like there's a couple of like you know academic papers issued, like, you know, already for the sound study and psychological connection and so on. And、uh, some, you know, for example, like I think, like one organization about like safetyness of the car or something in England, they like listed up number of songs you shouldn't listen like during driving that、oh, you know, wow. makes you aggressive or something. So,、oh. but、uh, I think definitely I have to like you know collaborate more with kind of you know psychological research as well. Like it's all about you know how people feel like rather than、right. obvious like reasons. And then I know a couple of companies. They're already doing a lot of sound design as well. And then, like, a, yeah,、um, that's a company called Man Made Music, like based in New York. They do a lot for the sound design as well.、Uh-huh. But、uh, still new, and there's still a lot of space to think about. You know, there's like there's so much change happening. What excites you about、mm. the interplay of? Sound design and and humanity、mm. and culture、mm. based on all this new stuff happening in the world. You know, what's the thing that you're excited about and that you see in the future that you're you sort of are optimistic about?、Mm. Yeah, I think definitely like, it's incredible opportunities to think about you know how you know soundscape should be changed anyway, and this is nothing about.、Um, You know, like each product, it's all about everything like surrounding us, like、uh, such as maybe like sound of the computer sound or like sound of the maybe like speaker sound quality as well. I, I feel like this is really infinity possibility, and we can、mm. like design so many things. So、right. that's really、um, excite me a lot, and also maybe like hopefully like, that's really bring to more of the proper consultancy business、mm. as well. So. That's really、um, excited me a lot, and、uh, and also like I'm highly excited about somehow conclude like what sound design about. That's something I really want to try for a long time, and、uh, in fact, this in, in the in London like there's two courses like sound design course in Royal College Bath and London College of Communication. They have a sort of sound design course as well, but the problem is、uh, they haven't really. Concluded what sound design about, so、mm. it's nice to have sort of like a sort of definition or like sort of bond, like what should we have to do. I think that's something I'm gonna really excited about. That's、know. cool. Is there other areas that like you、mm. think really need、mm. more sound design and more attention, and that really could make a difference in people's lives? Yeah, um, something like related to the pentagram because pentagram does quite a lot of sound identity for the company、mm. and the things. And、uh, but again, like human brain itself, like doesn't want to have a reputation. It's quite difficult, isn't it? Sort of branding, like need to have representation, something key element, and have to repeat again to understanding people. But same time, it's visual side. People repeating that's fine. But、uh, if sound is more sensitive, if you're listening same like sound identity, just kind of I can't really take any more in、mm. a way. So I think something I'm thinking now is like a, like a, you know sound identity, like working with other partner. Try to think about sort of the way, kind of like we can keep iconic melody, but it's keep progressing it.、Mm. You know, depend on the,、uh, you know, like you know, certain time like gonna be changed, but still you can recognizable like sort of philosophy behind the company.、Right. So that's really excite me a lot at the moment. That's probably like a nice tools to using AI to progress. Something great about.、Um, 
you know, AI is actually, like, if you kind of teaching it kind of specific pattern, it's kind of infinity to creating quite similar music, but no repetition in uh-huh. a way. So I think that could be quite interesting possibility, and that's something I'm gonna try as well. So it's like iter- it's kind of iterative sound design. Mm. Right. You know, I think that it reminds me of uh, Pentagram had this kind of famous branding project in here yeah. in New York a few years ago, mm. probably longer now, five or ten years ago, for Saks Fifth Avenue, mm-hmm. which is like this big department store, and they wanted to redo their identity, Mm-mm-mm. but they wanted to do it in a way where it didn't like look the same all the time. But yeah. you, when you saw it, you knew it was, and so you know they made this big visual identity mm. and then they divided it up into like a grid yeah. of squares yeah. and then the grid of squares can like appear anywhere mm. in any order. Yeah. And that's what the thing is. But so it always looks a little different. But there's something but, recognizable. But it's it? like yeah. you just have the feeling for what yeah. it is, right? I think that's really clever. It's actually Michael Beirut did it, that yeah. brand identity. And uh, that's probably kind of quite similar method anyway. Uh-huh. But uh, something we have to care for about sound is humans' ears are really, really kind of sensitive about sound like, rather than visual, uh-huh. you know, because uh, I think smelling and also uh, hearing is sort of like much closer to brain sense, I think. Mm-hmm. So I think people more sensitive and people complain about things. Yuri, thanks for joining us Thank on you. the Webby Podcast. It's been great to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Yuri for stopping by the studio. Yuri has a ton of projects you should check out, from the Electronic Project to Ototo. Visit his website, yurisuzuki.com, Y-U-R-I-S-U-Z-U-K-I.com, and follow him at Yuri Suzuki on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about the Webby Awards, visit www.webbyawards.com. That's W-E-B-B-Y awards.com or on most social platforms at the Webby Awards. As always, you can reach me on social at DMD Likes. That's a wrap for this season. Thank you so much to listening. We'll be back in the fall with more great guests and stories about the internet. Our producer is Terrence Brosnan. Our writer is Jordana Jarrett. Our editorial director is Nicole Ferraro. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is that lucky person next to you on the plane who naps the whole flight. I'm your host, David Michelle Davies, and this is the Webby Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.